Hello, Patriots. Welcome back to Living with Liberty, your source for common sense and truth, bringing you insight from outside the mainstream. I am your host, Ryan. Today, we'll have Republicans serving notice to the Biden administration, Elon Musk clapping back at Apple, Biden's weak response to the CCP's crackdown on protesters, next on Living with Liberty. As they close in on officially taking the majority in the House, Republicans are serving notice to the Biden administration and its officials that their testimony will be requested. I say that this is a good thing, so long as it's focused on the issues that really matter, the issues that people want answers to, that deserve answers. They deserve answers to, you know, things like, why is our border open? Why is the bureaucracy being weaponized against us? Why is our law enforcement, our our top law enforcement agency being weaponized against the people? According to Jack Phillips in his piece from the Epic Times titled 42 Biden admin officials put on notice by House Republicans, it is believed that these requests for testimony will be focused on just that, that these requests are centered around the politicization of the FBI and the DOJ There will be investigations into border security and why our border is open. And, of course, Hunter Biden and and all those ties that go to China and illicit business dealings in Ukraine, etc. And his laptop, of course. I say it's all fantastic, right? This is a good start. But it will need to be more than just another dog and pony show. These congressional committees have a history of just putting on a dog and pony show. They don't do anything. They sit and have, you know, tough rhetoric, and at the end of the day, they probably go out for drinks with these people. It needs to be more than just another, hey, look, we're kind of doing something. We're putting this on C-SPAN, so it looks like we're doing something sort of thing. We're going to need action coming from, from these hearings. We the people will need that action in order to have maybe, or I should say have, because we have none right now, in order to start maybe building a little bit more, uh, a little bit more of our trust back in our government. Uh, we need action. We need accountability. We need more than what came of those hearings with the big tech executives when Trump was still president. And they just let those tech executives just outright lie under oath to these congressional committees right to their face, outright lie. We need more than that. If these people that they're, they're going to have testify lie to them, there needs to be consequences for that. These people are under oath when they do these things. People are done with the dog and pony shows. These officials need to be held accountable for their corruption, these officials in the Biden administration. And I'd say that if it wasn't a Republican administration. If you've got corrupt individuals in, these, in government, they need to be held accountable. And that's, what these, uh, that's why we elect our reps, and that's why they have these committees to hold these people accountable. And they do a crappy job at it. The FBI and DOJ need to be held accountable for their obvious political attacks on citizens, for their obvious one-sidedness when it comes to investigating people. Jim Jordan has sent a request to Ron Klain for, uh, and that's a chief of staff for Biden, for officials to 
to testify to the alleged misuse of federal criminal and counterterrorism resources to target concerned parents at school board meetings. We all remember that, right? The 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 note that went out, uh, uh, the the memo that went out that uh, you know we've got to we've got to put resources, FBI resources, in these school board meetings because parents dare speak out against. The, the sexualization of their children, that parents dare speak out about the crappy education their kids are getting, that parents dare speak out about their children being brainwashed in school. Uh, so that, that required the FBI to send out some counterterrorism, uh, this memo, and, and allocate, potentially allocate resources for, to, for counterterrorism because there's parents at school board meetings speaking up. It's just the stuff like that, the, that the, the politicization. And Jim Jordan's right to go after that, but what they need to do is if they don't get a satisfactory answer from, from these people that come to testify, the, the ones they bring before these committees, they need to keep bringing them back again and again and again until the truth comes out. These people are going to lie. They're going to deflect. They're going to give a, you know, the old political non-answer. They're going to avoid the question. So they need to make the process, the punishment here, until these people answer the questions and we get the truth. We pay their salaries. They damn well better give us the truth. They need to be repeatedly brought back if they're not going to give straightforward answers the first time. If they're going to hide behind something, it's some sort of fake, uh, fake privileged uh, information or whatever that that you're your government employee. It, it, there's no privileged information when it comes to how are you spending my money. Oh, you're sending counterterrorism units to school board meetings. There, there's no privileged information there. Give me a break. There'd be no terrorists at school board meetings. Come on. Republicans need to have the balls to keep bringing these idiots back, keep getting them under oath, keep pounding them with questions, keep the pressure on them. And then after that, after that's said and done, prosecutions need to happen for any wrongdoing, any wrongdoing that's uncovered. Prosecutions need to happen, bar none. There's no more pussyfooting around. No more, let's bring them in. Oh, okay, well, here's what happened. If, if there's wrongdoing, if there's corruption, and it's uncovered, it needs to be prosecuted. If there's corruption and misuse of resources for political purposes, i.e. attacking parents at school board meetings, then those who authorized it and were involved need to be held accountable to whatever extent the law allows for it. You know, whether that's losing their job on up to jail time, don't care. They need to be held accountable in one form or fashion. People have no faith in government, and rightfully so. We, and, and honestly, we should always be skeptical of government. But, but you have to have some sort of trust that you're sending your reps there to do the right thing. And I, and I know many others out there, many of you out there, do not have that trust in government. They've proven themselves time and time again to be corrupt and useless and only interested in, in the political and not the people. Only interested in their own power and not the Constitution. So these, these committee hearings have to end up being more than just theater for the yelling heads 
on talk radio and on the news channels. They have to be more than that. They have to have action. And that's, that's the same with, with Hunter's laptop. You know what? The, we have to have more than what we've gotten from Hunter's laptop as, as far as accountability is concerned. By all rights, what has been found on there, Hunter Biden should be in jail right now. And probably Joe Biden, too. We have hard evidence of what is on that laptop. Yet Joe Biden's still in the White House, Hunter Biden's still free. We need accountability here. And Republicans need to understand that, press for that, and be relentless in that. We have public testimony. And we have proof that Joe Biden himself was at least involved, if not outright directing those illicit business dealings of Hunter Biden. We have eyewitness testimony that Joe Biden himself was involved in that. The Republicans need to hold the Bidens accountable. We have the most compromised president ever to sit in the White House, and it is absolutely destroying our country. He is so compromised, he's so corrupt, that we are at the, the weakest we've ever been on the world stage because my theory is there's so much blackmail material out there on this guy that if he steps out of line, it's coming out. And he doesn't want that. He's, he's somehow, we all know he's corrupt. He's somehow built himself in his own mind to be some sort of, uh, some sort of God, small g, let's say, in the minds of the American people and in our hearts when really we can't stand the guy, whether you're Republican or Democrat. We both see what a phony he is. He, but we, we have to have accountability there. Justice needs to be done. This is a country that has, has always been one that has sought justice, that has delivered justice. It needs to be done here. These committees need to take action. These investigations need to result in action. Inappropriate action. If there's no wrongdoing or to the letter of the law, it wasn't wrong. Maybe it's ethically wrong, and that'll come out, but not legally wrong, fine. Then obviously you can't prosecute to any extent of the law, but at least we see what a, what a, you know, how unethical these people really are and how unethically they operate. And we can get on them about that. We need to have justice done here. Now, I realize that with the Republicans only having the House, they will have limitations on what they can actually do and how far they can actually take things, especially when it comes to something like an impeachment where it would require the Senate's, uh, the, the Senate's consent on that as well. So that's why if we come down to it, you know, impeach Biden, well, let's have all our ducks in a row first. Let's not just start throwing articles of impeachment out there. It's going to go nowhere. Let's let, let, let's go through these committees and go step by step on the corruption, the, the illicit dealings, the illegal dealings that have taken place, and then pursue the articles of impeachment. I know Marjorie Taylor Greene has had articles of impeachment drawn up before. You could probably make a case that Biden has not been upholding his oath to the Constitution with our southern border mess, but let's do this in a logical step. And I know, so I know Republicans in the House only having the House, will have limitations in what they, they can actually do. But they have a golden opportunity here nonetheless. They can expose the truth 
and make it very, very difficult for the Democrats to continue to stand by Biden. However shaky that may be at times, we kind of covered the last episode, how Democrats kind of sidestep their, their, uh, the questions around Biden and what their actual feelings are about the guy. The, the GOP can make it plainly obvious that the Department of Justice and the FBI are political entities at this point that have only targeted the Democrats' opponents. I, that's very apparent. Because if, if, if they had actually gone after both sides and, and gone after uh, actual illegal, you know, illegal uh, activity, it would get play on all outlets. I have not seen once on in any conservative media about how the FBI and DOJ have gone after a Democrat or how they've come up with, with uh, you know, trumped-up charges against a Democrat. No, it's always been the Republican and specifically those surrounding Donald Trump, but not entirely. I mean, we've seen Project Veritas be raided by the FBI. We've seen others be raided by the FBI. Uh, Pro-life activists be raided by the FBI and arrested by the FBI. So it's only one side of the equation here. It's plainly obvious to an objective observer, right? Now, I'm I'm conservative, but you know I call it both ways. And it, and if there was anything, any wrongdoing here, any wrongdoing that had come out, I'd be the first one here saying, yeah, they deserved what they got. They should have been investigated. The FBI should have raided their house, but that hasn't been the case. It's been pure political play. The FBI has been used as the brown shirts of the Biden administration. So GOP has an opportunity here. They can make it obvious that these, uh, the DOJ and the FBI are political entities. They can at least expose the corruption, at least get it on the record. Maybe it does go somewhere, maybe it doesn't. But maybe, just maybe, it embarrasses the Democrats enough to where some come clean as to what happened. Some come clean and say, yeah, you know what, this isn't right. We've got to do something different here. But I'm not holding my breath on anything changing on that front. Just to be clear, that's that's a pipe dream probably, but... Maybe they get embarrassed enough that they they start turning away from the just the ridiculous nature of what our government has become. I think it's going to take actual action to get the Democrats to make that turn, though. I think they it, it, we're going to need some actual arrests. We're going to need some actual convictions, trials and convictions before the Democrats make any changes. They're not inclined to at this point. They've got the media wrapped around their finger shilling for them. They've got big corporations shilling for them. Even though we all see what a clown show this is, they don't care. They have no shame. They have no principles. So it's going to take actual trials trials and convictions, I think, for the Democrats to actually change direction. And those trials, should they come about, need to happen outside Washington District of Corruption. They need to be outside of D.C., period. Send them to the middle of the country. I don't care. But they need to not be anywhere in Washington, D.C., Northern Virginia, Maryland. Get them out of there. Because it's all one big incestuous swamp. These Republicans need to show they are willing to hold people accountable for what they've done in trampling the Constitution, our rights as citizens, and they need to be held accountable for the destruction of our country. 
The question will be is whether the GOP has the willpower to continue on when the road gets tough, because we've seen them before. We've seen the GOP before fold up shop uh, when it gets really rough out there and things get tough for them. We've seen them just fold up shop and, and say, oh, okay, we're done here. Legacy media will continue to spout their lies and attacks on the GOP. The blue checks out there in social media land will continue to spout their nonsense and attack the GOP and gaslight. And the Republicans are just going to have to plow through it this time. They're just going to have to be tough enough to plow through it. Playtime is over. You were not going to be able to work with the Democrat Party in its current state. You're just going to have to plow through and make them look like the fools they are. The, the GOP is really going to have to adhere to Alinsky Rule 5. And whatever your feelings on Alinsky, you say what you want. The rules work. And the Republicans, some of them, are starting to use them because they finally figured out they work. If the Democrats are going to use them, Republicans, you damn well better use them as well. So Republicans need to adhere to Rule 5, that ridicule is man's most potent weapon, and that they need to make use that to make the media and blue checks look like the total morons they are. Now, I have no doubts that reps like Jim Jordan, Steve Scalise, and Chip Roy have the fortitude to fight this battle, to come into to their office day in and day out to fight this, to bring these idiots before the committees and pound them with questions. I've no doubt that Steve Scalise and Chip Roy and Jim Jordan have the, and there's others, right, that they have the fortitude to fight this battle. My concern is with the old guard of the Republicans that's still hanging on in the House and still hanging on in the Senate, for that matter, that those old guard Republicans who still get frightened because the Washington Compost or the New York Slines will write something bad about them or the Republican Party. That mindset needs to change. There are these outlets, New York Slimes, the Compost, NBC, CBS, ABC, CNN. Well, we know CNN. None of them are no are, are any. They're no longer reputable outlets. None of them. They're no longer reputable outlets. They're activist rags that are out there to protect liberalism and the Democrat Party at all costs, even if it means gaslighting people, printing half truths, and just printing or publishing or broadcasting outright lies. And the Republicans need to not worry about what those clowns print or say because it is only pandering to a niche base at this point. Who cares what they say, Republicans? Go do the job we, told, we, we elected you to do. Go out, stand on principles, stand on the Constitution. Get us to the, the truth. That's what we want. It's time for the rhetoric to end and the GOP to show that they care more about the American people and this country than what the raggedy media is writing about them. If you're listening to the audio-only show and your platform allows for reviews, please give us a five-star rating. It helps others find the show. Whether you're listening to the audio version or viewing on Rumble or YouTube, please hit the Rumble or Thumbs Up button. The more interactions we have, the more the show gets into the recommendations made by the algorithms, and the more we are able to spread the truth. All right, moving on. This past week, Apple threatened to kick Twitter out of its app store because Elon Musk dare move Twitter back towards being a free speech enterprise, allowing speech and reinstating accounts that 
actually probably hurt the feelings of those at Crapple. It's probably a bad move on Apple's part to threaten Musk in this manner, because Musk said, fine, I'll just launch my own phone, maybe. I don't think it's a bluff, either, and neither does Robert Hahn at Red State. If there is anyone or any other company positioned as well as, as what Elon Musk and Tesla are to start a cell company, let me know, because... Elon Musk and what Tesla has, they are set up to take on the likes of an Apple, okay? They, they at least have the infrastructure. They may not have the product yet, but they have the in infrastructure. Tesla's regarded as having the best battery technology in the world. Now, imagine that battery technology. It's, it's you know, I've, I've done a little research into it. It's pretty, it's pretty good. You know what? Like I said, it's, it's regarded as the best in the world. So Elon Musk, from that aspect has done some, you know, something really great there and has some, done something right in terms of battery technology where everybody else making lithium batteries is kind of chasing Tesla. So now imagine taking that battery technology for cars and compacting it down into a smartphone. I mean, he's got the technology. You, you, it's just a matter of scaling it down for a smartphone. Wouldn't it be great if you didn't have to charge your phone at all during the course of a day? I mean, hell, if, if the batteries in these cars last 10 years, now you think about for an EV and the expense of a car, 10 years and you're, you're shelling out another 10, 15 grand for batteries, that's, that's no good. But if you shrink it down in, into, uh, you know, that battery, that technology, shrink it down into phone, uh, the size for a phone and it lasts 5, 10 years, how much better a value is that then? So he's got the batteries. He, he can certainly, from that aspect, just figure out how to scale down to a phone-sized battery. The technology is there. He's got it. Now, Han also notes that Musk has something else that's very unique, uh, unique in, in the space here, I guess you could call it, in, in, in terms of telecommunications, I guess. And that's that uh, he has, Elon Musk has, a worldwide network of communication satellites that is nearly completed. He's got the Starlink Internet service. So he's got the, these satellites out there, you know, in low orbit. Could, could those Starlink satellites be used to form a cellular network? That's a distinct possibility. And now I don't know what that would all entail or if these satellites that he has even have that capability. But I can guarantee you one thing. If they can't now, and Musk is serious about starting his own phone, building his own phone, and hell, starting his own company, you can bet that he will have his engineers figure out how to make those satellites also a cellular network. Han notes that with the satellite network, Musk could offer some, you know, no dead zones anywhere. I mean, you, you're relying on satellites at that point that are triangulating positions, and they're all in low orbit. You'd never have, you'd never have a dead zone. Not like you do with cell towers. You'd never have a dead zone. No other carrier would be able to offer that. Now, if I'm Tim Cook and Apple, I don't know that I would be poking at the Tesla bear like they have, threatening to kick Twitter off the App Store. Because, like I said, this, this is just an ideological corporate war that Apple would lose. And it would illustrate, it'd be a perfect illustration of why companies should just stay out of the political and social justice arena. Quit attacking each other. Work on your product. Because Elon Musk is not, he, he, he's proven time and again that you tell him, oh, well, okay, 
I can't do it. I'm going to go do it. Oh, you're going to take me out of the app store? You're going to take Twitter out of the app store? Okay, well, I'll just start my own cell phone company uh, with service and, and my own app store, and then we'll cut Apple out altogether. And you can bet it'll be, you know, I, I, I'll say this. I'll finish this segment up with this. You can bet that anything Elon Musk comes up with will be better than an Apple phone. Now, I've had Apple phones. I'm a Samsung guy. I've had Apple phones. Samsung, by far, is my preferred phone. I've had a couple... One I bought on my own and a couple work phones that were Apple phones. Not impressed. The cameras are, are five cameras behind what Samsung offers. So you don't think Elon Musk won't, you know, also come up with a better phone than Apple? I mean, Tim Cook better just keep his mouth shut. Otherwise, he's going to find out real real quick about uh, kind of how fast Elon Musk moves and, and how innovative his companies are. All right. So I'm not going to spend a ton of time on that on this next segment here, but I have to bring it up just for the humor and stupidity value of it. Now, apparently Alyssa Milano is giving up her Tesla. Oh, boo-hoo, right? Elon Musk hurt her feelings to the point that she said, I'm trading out my Tesla. She was so proud of her trade-out that she was doing this that she posted it to Twitter. So Tony Danza's TV daughter wrote this on her Twitter account. Says this, I gave back my Tesla. I bought the VW EV Volkswagen. I love it. I'm not sure how advertisers can buy space on Twitter. Publicly traded companies' products being pushed in alignment with hate and white supremacy doesn't seem to be a winning business model. <laughs> now, <laughs> the first thing I wondered here is if she, Alyssa Milano, walked into Tesla with her crocheted mask on to give it back. <laughs> Remember that one? <laughs> the virtue signaling with the mask and it. That thing had whole, more holes in it than Swiss cheese. <laughs> yeah, that's gonna. That won't even. That won't even stop a sour cherry ball. <laughs> Suck it right through. Anyway, so, <laughs> so we got that. So that was the first thing I wondered. I'm still waiting for video on that. But on her Twitter account, the Hodge twins. If you're familiar with the Hodge twins, they're they're uh, kind of a conservative comedy duo brothers. They're they're pretty funny guys. Yeah, they gave Miss Lissa here a history lesson about the origins of Volkswagen. And they replied to her tweet that Volkswagen, Volkswagen was literally founded by Hitler and the Nazis. Yes, Volkswagen was founded by the Aryan race people. <laughs> the literal white supremacists, what Volkswagen was founded. Now, it's a great company today. Don't go say, oh, well, Volkswagen, they're a white supremacist company. It's a great company today. They make fine cars. But the 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 whole point here is, is just the stupidity of Alyssa Milano not knowing, not is spouting off about Tesla being white supremacist and, and Elon Musk and his white supremacy, and then she goes and trades out her her Tesla. You know, for, and Elon Musk is, I think, the farthest thing from a white supremacist. I've not heard one, you know, disparaging mark out of him about anybody's race. Period. So. But, but Alyssa Milano decided to trade her Tesla out for a Volkswagen and then virtue signal um, that she had done this and then gets called out that you literally uh, are complaining about white supremacy, yet you went and bought a new car from a company founded by white supremacists. So how does that old saying go again? What does it go? How's it go? It's better to keep your mouth shut and appear stupid than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. I'm pretty sure that's how it goes anyway. I think Alyssa Milano would do well probably to follow that advice. 
Subscriptions are one of the big ways podcasts get discovered, so if you could, please do me a favor. Whatever platform you are listening on or viewing on, please hit that subscribe button. It will give you an alert whenever a new Living with Liberty is published, and the subscriptions will help us get into the recommendations so others can find the show. If there was any lingering doubt about how corporate America and our government feels about China, their tepid response, or should I say non-response, to the brutality the CCP showed against protesters that were just out there in force protesting their the COVID lockdowns going on in China should remove any doubt. The Biden administration, Biden himself, offered a tepid response at best, trying to offer an appearance of supporting the right to protest. Oh, yeah, we we were support protesters or whatever, you know, whatever they said. Um, it, it was a the most non-committal response to supporting something that you'll ever see. Um, so not only did they um, did they come out and and offer a tepid response at best, but they did not outright call the CCP to account on their brutal tactics for dispersing the protesters, nor their draconian and uh, honestly brutal COVID policy, forcing people to remain in their residence, welding their doors shut, etc. Apple's another one. They gleefully continue their censorship campaign, taking down its airdrop feature that the Chinese protesters were using to coordinate their efforts in, in their protests. And they have made no statement, to my knowledge, ever rebuking the CCP over their heavy-handed tactics. Apple's not said anything about the, 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 just the uh, trampling of human rights in China. Now, Ted Cruz um, seems to be among the few who are calling the Biden administration to account for their weak response and the CCP calling them out for their propaganda related to the coronavirus. I have a Red State article here. I'll link in the description box. It is titled, Ted Cruz Unleashes on White House Over Pitiful Statement on CCP Brutality by Terry Kristoff. Cruz had this to say about Biden and the Democrats at large here. He said this, At a potentially historic inflection point, Dems shill for the CCP. Pure weakness from the Biden administration. It's almost as if Biden wishes he were driving the tank in Tiananmen Square. But, and I'm sure Ted Cruz knows this, but what's going on here is exactly what they want. It's exactly what the Democrats want. It's exactly what... Uh, what uh, Biden wants. It's exactly what every authoritarian in our government wants, right on through the bureaucracy. Now, Biden is in hock to China. The Democrats have proven they do not value freedom and, freedom and liberty and that they want to impose authoritarian measures over the entire country. They want total control of our lives. Plain and simple, that's what they want. The Dems look to the CCP as the model for citizen control. They look to the CCP as the model for governance. That's why they're not going to say anything. Of course they're not going to say anything when, when they look up and idolize the CCP. They don't want to piss off their mentors. They don't want to, to, to make waves with the CCP and get locked out of whatever they've got going on behind the scenes that we don't know about. One can only assume that China has so much dirt on Biden that the moment he steps out of line, they will release it. 
and further embarrass him more if he's not already. I mean, I don't see how the guy can't be embarrassed now. He, he certainly acts like he's not, but they must have something really good if he's not willing to step out and call them out for their brutality, for their, their trampling of basic human rights, etc. And not only that, this is the dumbest and least self-unaware or most self-unaware president we've ever had and that he thinks he's the smartest guy on the planet. So he truly believes he knows what's best for all, uh, for us all and wants to impart his will on the people. That, that's why he doesn't say anything. He's so in hock to China. They, there's so much dirt on him is my, you know, my, uh, would be my theory here based on what gets trickled out business dealings, etc selling us out to China. I mean, he's on tape numerous times singing the praises of China. So what's one to, you know, supposed to believe with that? And then I think he's, he's waited. This is the presidency is what he's built in his mind to be the pinnacle of his career. We all know the story of how many times he's tried. He finally gets there. The guy's an authoritarian. He thinks he's smarter than the rest of us when in actuality, he's probably in the bottom 10% of people on this, you know, 10, 10% of uh, people intellectually on the, this planet as far as how smart he is. He, he truly, he just wants to control everything. Now, businesses, I also believe, play a part in the weakness of the Biden administration's response as they are just as in hock to the CCP as Biden is. You have to total the CCP line or be locked out of the Chinese market. We know it's huge. I mean, it's a billion plus people. It's a huge market. Don't get me wrong. So companies see green. They see opportunity. They're trying to explore them, you know, expand in that market. And the CCP gets heavier and heavier handed on them. And we get things like what Apple's doing. So we get Apple towing the CCP line. We get Apple not calling the CCP out for their, uh, for, for their brutality for their forced labor. The, the, the fact is, is these corporate executives like Tim Cook at Apple admire the tactics of the CCP. And you just look at the online censorship of pre-Musk Twitter and Facebook. You look at them. They admire the CCP. I look at Apple trying to throw their weight around on who can be in their app store. We just covered that story. Apple threatening to remove Twitter from the app store because they didn't like what Elon Musk was going to do with Twitter. They didn't like the free speech. They didn't like that Elon Musk said there's not going to be censorship of anything that's legal speech, basically. These company CEOs, along with the Democrats, love the perceived control their attempted censorship and propaganda campaigns give them. And where they learn it from, they learn it from the CCP. They see them doing it. And I, I will argue that the CCP probably isn't as successful at it as they want us to believe. So how do we change this? How do we get companies, how do we get the Democrats to swing back and say, look, the CCP isn't good. We have our country here. We need to protect our Constitution. So how do we get them to change? Well, one, first thing, dump companies like Apple. I know it's hard. And in some cases, it's maybe impossible to totally get away from a company as they have become a gigantic conglomerate. I mean, you think, you think of like Disney, 
Um, Apple's got their hands in a bunch of stuff now. I mean, so it can be hard. I get it. But do what you can to send them a monetary message. Whether you are on the liberal side or the conservative side, go to alternative platforms. Use alternative phones. Uh, watch alternative streaming services, whatever. Once these liberal companies feel they have sufficiently squashed the conservative voice, they will turn and turn their attention next to the moderate liberal voices because even the moderate liberal voices don't totally uh, align with what the, the far, left, far left ideology is that we see within some of these companies. They don't necessarily like what the CCP is doing. So after the conservatives are what they feel sufficiently silenced, they will come after the moderate liberals next. It's a fact. That's what will happen. Now, at the end of the day, though, you got to remember, these are companies, they're in business. They exist for one reason, to create shareholder value. So at the end of the day, dollars will win out over ideology. You have to make it sting to a company's bottom line before they move back to a reasonable position, before they say, well, we better shut up and stop alienating half of our customer base. That's really a bad idea. We better, oh, we better focus. We're based in the U.S. Well, we better focus on U.S. issues and not use, you know, not, not go with the double standard here of, of speaking out against U.S. issues and ignoring what's going on in China. We better stop speaking out, uh, uh, you know, on uh, what's going on in, term, in terms of perceived brutality by police, whatever here, and then ignore what the Chinese officials are doing to their people. You have to make their bottom line hurt before they make the change. Second, the Democrats didn't get the absolute destruction expected in the midterms. So we have to keep talking about things like the CCP's absolute disregard for human rights and the Democrats' continued gaslighting of the nation. We have to continue to expose the lies of the Democrat Party. We have to continue to talk about the, the, the hypocrisy of the Democrats and corporations turning a blind eye to the human rights issues and, and uh, abuses in China, all the while trying to conjure up the same thing here where it doesn't really exist. Continued shaming of these people and their positions on these issues will get them to change eventually. Will it happen overnight? No. Do the Democrats have enough shame to where it'll be a quick process? No. Eventually, will they change their position? They have to or risk being thrown out of office if we get a critical mass behind it and say, look, enough is enough. We don't have these problems here. We don't have human rights abuses here. We don't have people, uh, but, you know, uh, by and large, right? The, the, you can always find an isolated incident, and that's where we got to be careful here. By and large, we don't have a white supremacy problem in this country. We don't have a racism problem in this country. It's fabricated by politicians to only further their own power. And if they're, they're going to do that stuff here and say, oh, we've got this problem here and brutality and, and human rights abuses and then turn a blind eye to China, we got to expose that hypocrisy. We've got to make them, what are, what are your solid examples here in the United States of repeated and systemic 
human rights abuses? What, is, what, uh, what, what evidence do you have that we are a racist country? And it's got to be current. You can't say, well, Jim Crow and, and civil war and slavery. and No, it's got to be what currently is going on in this country that, that what laws are on the books that are systemically racist, because that's what it implies is that there's something on the books that, that says that, that uh, like apartheid, right? You have to have something on the books in order for it to be systemic. So where, where are those examples? We have to keep exposing these, these Democrats on this stuff, make them embarrassed about it. Keep embarrassing them about it. Keep getting them on, on video and posting it out there of them just giving a stupid answer, a contradictory answer, a hypocritical answer. Third, we need to vote in liberty-minded individuals, not group thinkers. And you know what? I don't care if you're Democrat or Republican. They have to be liberty-minded. They have to respect the Constitution. Right now, I'm going to just say this. It seems like the Republicans are a little more on the side of freedom and liberty and respecting the Constitution of, than Democrats. There's probably some Democrats out there that are also on you know, that side. To them, I'd say, why are you still on that side? But anyway, it's another topic. Freedom and liberty-minded individuals, not group thinkers, free thinkers, not group thinkers. Now, while I know it's not likely feasible, we'll never see it happen. I'd like to see this, uh, us as a country do away with political parties. And we have candidates just stand alone on their, their platform, stand alone on principle and what their policy is. And we select based on that. The letter next to the name, it doesn't matter. The letter next to the name just perpetuates the group think. And anyone that has attended a, a caucus meeting for either party knows what I'm talking about and how pervasive groupthink is. It's sycophantic. People just, oh, well, I'm a Republican. I, we covered that before. Why, would you, why, why limit yourself to that box? I'm a Republican. I'm a Democrat. Why limit yourself to that box? You're saying, well, I'm signing up for what they say no matter what then. What is it, you know, vote uh, blue no matter who and... You know, we don't necessarily do that a whole lot on the, the Republican side, but they they still do the same thing. You still have those that are like, well, Mittens Romney, okay. He's got an R next to the name. I'll vote for him. I, I saw it when I was out campaigning for school board. People say, just would straight out ask. They wouldn't even ask about, you know, what I want to do for the schools. It's, are you Republican or Democrat? So, well, you know, Republican, conservative. Okay, I'm voting for you. We got to break that mindset. Perpetu they, they, these political parties just perpetuate the group think. It's not good. It's not healthy for our constitutional republic. And it's, it's pervasive. And it gets used against us. It, it's been used to drive the division we see today. We have to break that mindset. The group think is how we got to this point where we are at today. The founders knew the dangers of political parties. and I, I think it was Federalist 42 or Federalist 10. I think I get them mixed up now, um, but it's, it's where Madison was talking about factions. Factions are political parties. They knew the dangers uh, so much so that Madison wrote in the federal, Federalist Papers about factions. The founders knew the dangers of political parties, and that's why they didn't specifically put any provisions in the Constitution for them. It's why they didn't specifically put any provisions 
uh, calling for them in the Constitution. Now, I would argue they probably should have put provisions in the Constitution prohibiting them. And I'm sure we would have found some way around it and found a way to group ourselves because we're humans. That's what we do. But it was if Madison's specifically calling out the dangers of factionalism in a Federalist paper that's being used to argue the point for the Constitution and federalism, then we probably should have as found, or they, the founders, I should say, should have probably put a provision in there prohibiting political parties. If holding these, consti- uh, these corporations and, and the CCP to account is not part of a candidate's platform, if upholding constitutional ideals is not part of a candidate's platform, if it's not part of their demonstrated behavior while in office, then we really need to evaluate if they are the right candidate for the job and try to raise up someone who is in a, in a challenge, to, to, to provide a challenge. We have to break this mentality of incumbency that we just vote for the incumbent because they've been there and we know them. Name recognition shouldn't trump what the candidate's actual record is while in office. We need to look at what are actions, not words, not what am I, what are they saying they're going to do. We need to look and see what have they actually done. Past behavior is one of the best indicators of future behavior. That's why when I managed teams and I interviewed folks for, for my open positions, it was a behavior-based interview. I wanted to know how they handled some situations. What did they do? What did they learn? And I wanted to see if there was a pattern to that. That's what we have to require of our political candidates. The mess we are in right now, our current mess is due in part to our own actions and inactions. But the good news, there's good news, and that good news is we can get ourselves out of this mess with our own actions. We just have to be willing to take that action, and we have to be willing to have the fortitude to stick with taking that action because it's not going to be an easy road. Before I go, don't forget to tune in live to Rucksack Radio on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Central for Laughs in Liberty with Tom and me. You can catch us live on Riverside FM, Rumble, YouTube, or Twitch. We have uh, uh, chats going on Riverside and Rumble and YouTube, so we'd love to engage with you all in those chats. So tune in live, 7 p.m. Central Tuesdays, Laughs and Liberty. Friends, that's my show for today. Thank you for tuning in. Please check out my website, livingwithlibertypodcast.com. There you'll find links to my past shows, my original articles, as well as other resources to help arm you with knowledge in fighting off the prevailing narratives of the day. While on my website, shop my store, Living with Liberty Outfitters. Lastly, I'd be so grateful if you shared, subscribed, and left a positive review of the show, should your listening platform allow. Subscribing helps us move up the charts and helps more people find the truth. 